Okay, welcome to Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the Edinburgh Away edition, but we're not in Edinburgh today. We're in Morty Rabbits, the home of the clan, um, to get a bit of atmosphere while we go through the match as we normally would do. I've got William Davies here. It's uh, it's not that important a match, William, but uh, we could do with a win. Yeah, I think it is an important match. I think a defeat tonight just sets completely the wrong tone going forward for for this segment of games. We've, we've uh, obviously got Leinster coming next week. Uh, we've lost two out of two, so we want to put a stop to that this evening. Um, Edinburgh can theoretically still catch us, but it's probably not going to be the case. Um, interesting to see slightly different set-up side tonight, so we'll, we'll just see where we go. Yeah, looking forward to seeing Steve Crosby in, in, in decent weather. <laughs> he, he, had a, he had a debut in some of the most dreadful weather and worst p- pitch conditions we've seen, so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see some sort of bounce back from last week. We'll talk again on 20 minutes. Okay, we're just over 19 minutes into the game and it's a tremendously exciting 3-0 to Connacht at this stage. Um, not a lot happening, right, William? It's very poor stuff, really. It's a lot of mistakes on both sides. It's insipid stuff. It's been sort of stuck between the two 22s. But, uh, look, you'll take the lead. He's, it's really waiting to start. It hasn't, it hasn't got going. No, it certainly hasn't. Let's, let's hope we've more to talk about at half-time. Okay, it's half time and there is a bit more to talk about, William. It's 16 points to nil to Connacht. Yeah, uh, they, they've upped the pace and uh, deservedly in the lead. Uh, Steve Crosby at uh, out half has uh, kicked three penalties on a conversion on a nice try by Owen McKeown, getting in under the post off a little break by Kieran Marmion. Um, Duncan Weir has missed two very kickable penalties for Edinburgh and is having a shocking game. Connacht are doing okay. It's um, it's pretty it's pretty low rate stuff. This uh, it's teams that are down the bottom of the table and neither side playing with a lot of confidence. But Connacht look a more cohesive unit and you feel if they keep their concentration they'll they'll, they'll put this away. Uh, the only worry would be that if Edinburgh just got some easy points, but they look. They look very poor. It's a very small crowd. This is the first time I've seen this ground at Myerside. And, uh, well, it, it certainly uh, is not uh, Murrayfield. No, it certainly isn't. If we lose from here, we deserve to be shot. That is, they're worse than any Zebra team I've seen play this season. Yeah, there's... Um, there's real issues I think in Edmund they're just waiting for next season and, and, and a new new coach and the new management but there's a few guys out there aren't really uh, aren't involving themselves terribly much in this uh, in this effort so it's just an opportunity for Connick to keep playing well and the one thing you don't want you know, any any guys getting injured maybe get some guys in off the bench in the second half uh, and use this keep the momentum don't get to a situation where you have the game won maybe at 60 minutes and go to sleep for 20 keep pushing 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 Exactly. And we'll talk again in 60 minutes. Okay, 60 minutes and Connacht lead by 19 points to nil. Um, and just seemed to blow a big, good chance there, William. Yeah, they somehow got driven back from about two yards out uh, to beyond the 25. It just got slower and slower. Edinburgh probably offside, to be fair. But uh, 
they're well in control of this game. It's it's the, the quality hasn't improved much, but the speed has come up in the second half. But I would uh, assume they're going to kick three points here and uh, just keep going forward. But they'd be a bit disappointed with that great big by Bundy. Nobody really with him, and then there was it just became imprecise and slow. The, the, the breakdown area just became cluttered. Yeah, it did indeed. Um, we've had a couple of injuries. We've had Tom McCartney going off. Um, it looked like a, a bad injury. Hopefully, it's not too bad. And uh, since Finley came on, he's given us a whole new lease of life. We'll we'll talk again at full time. Okay, William. <laughs> that was a bit of a nervy finish, considering we were 22 points to nil up. Uh, we finished at 22-19. Yeah, that was that was just poor again. I, it's a problem. It's happened a couple of times this season, and we just completely lost our shape when the substitutes started to come on. They got a little bit of go-forward ball, and I think maybe they just played with a, a little bit of devil may care. Yeah. They got perhaps a lucky penalty try, but we started to miss tackles. Our shape went, and um, look, it's a win, but. You could take something out of the first 55, 57 minutes. Yeah. But at 60 minutes, we talked about this, and it's happened again. And you just can't do that. When your players come on, you know, your substitutes come on, you have to be there to, to close the game out. A better side than Gla uh, Gla Edinburgh might have, uh, might have turned that around. And Duncan Weir, who had a dreadful game all round, two penalties that he should have kicked, and the, conver the conversion was a tough one, I'll give him that. Yeah. But um, we just never really looked like doing anything in the second half. I know there was a win, it's hard to tell how much that effect had, but overall, it's uh, confirmed our, that we will be in a playoff. We don't know whether we're going to finish eighth or ninth or however it's going to work out, so that's done, but um, still a lot of work to do. There certainly is. We'll talk again in a few minutes. Okay, welcome to the post-game section of the podcast, and we've been joined by Dave Finn. Dave, your thoughts on <laughs> a ding-dong of a match? Well, we won. That's good. That's my thoughts on the match. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we're 22 points to nil up. We make a few substitutions. A couple of guys go off injured. Well, certainly one guy goes off injured in Tom McCartney. And Kieran goes off, and everything seems to fall apart. Um, two issues. One, our substitutions. They're, they're, it, it happens. I mean, I have a problem with substitutions in rugby, and I, I'm going to state the category. I think, I think an awful lot of teams make substitutions that they feel they should. They have seven players, and therefore they must use them. And I'm thinking, not necessarily. You should only really substitute players who are, who are injured or tired. I mean, like, out in their feet. Um, I think an awful lot of substitutions. I don't understand substitutions on 48, 49 minutes because this disrupts the rhythm. Player, players are clearly, players are clearly not warmed up, and it's not just a Connacht thing. This happens across the board. I mean, I, I saw what Ulster did there, and um, they lost Jared Payne early, and they just seem to fall apart in terms of their defence. Um, it's not It's not. It's, just, it's not. It's not unique to Connacht. But it seems to affect, we do seem to be a little bit more exaggerated in terms of how it affects us. We clearly fell apart. The guys were not prepped coming in. The only one that was prepped coming in was Finley, and 
he came on at half time. Um, well, just after half time, but yeah. also, also, I don't think we, I don't think we're particularly good down to 14 men. I think, I mean, I, I need to see it back again. I've heard different things about what Tiernan did to be to be yellow carded. Now, either the referee got it 100 percent right or he got it 100 percent wrong. And given that the guy's only about 10, I think he did. He had a pretty good game. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, for 60 minutes, it was grand. I'm no, no better than grand. It was grand. It was, it was a win. It was done. And the last 20 minutes were absolutely appalling. They were probably as bad as last week. But ultimately, in the end, unlike last week, we didn't let a bad team beat us. I mean, don't get us. We're not going to. Nobody should get carried away on that. That just was. It was functional. But functional with four points, unlike last week, which was dysfunctional and no points. Fair enough. William? I don't agree on substitutions. I think rugby's a 23-man game and your bench has got to be ready to go. And the top teams do it without any problem. Now, maybe they've got better players to bring on, but we seem to get... We just seemed to get totally shapeless once they scored. And they had they had very few opportunities. And the penalty try, seven easy points. But we just, from there on, it everything became panicky and... Uh, People weren't doing their jobs, is what it looked like. There was a lot of arm-waving and trying to organise and people doing things on their own. But that's maybe what comes when you haven't been winning all your matches and you haven't been playing really well all season. That, that's when it becomes difficult. But this is the same issue with the substitutions. I mean, Tom McCartney was forced off and Tyrion was yellow-carded. But we'd already taken off Mall and we'd taken off Marmo, so a lot of our leadership was gone. There was, and that's my issue. And my issue is not... I, I think the problem is the rule. I think there should be a limitation in the amount of substitutions you can make. And I'm going to state that Karagaga, I think it is absolutely... It is, destro- it is a problem in rugby, and no one, no one seems to be prepared to address it. I, I don't, and, and I, I fundamentally disagree with him. I think it is changing the nature of the game. I think you're, I mean, I hate to say it, but fat props in the old days had to last 80 minutes, and they were not as fish, and they were not as strong, and they were not as powerful. In 80 minutes, they could barely move around the pitch. Now you have these man mountains, fit guys, coming on with 20 minutes to go at tight, and they are just blocks, and they are hitting you because they're freshening. And that is one of the big issues, and that's something that's not addressed in terms of the concussion issue. Is that this is the concussion issue has gone up since this, since the rules and substitutions have come in, and I genuinely think it makes a big difference. Also, it would be fun. To to see fat lads run around for twenty for, for eighty minutes. We know that Dennis can do it. We know that Finney can do it. And it wouldn't be harm some if some of these other teams had to do it as well. Um, but the rules are what the rules are. And as of now, I think whilst I disagree with the principle, the principle, I think William Mess has nailed it. We did fall apart. And the tackling after the first penalty try was diabolical. The only thing that makes it look good is some of the tackling Ulster put in, but it doesn't excuse anything. I mean, we fell apart in the last three minutes. We did, and it's laws, by the way, but anyway, William. <laughs> well, in a couple of years, it'll be up to 10 subs. Oh, because that, that, that's, that'll be the next stage that's coming, I think. Uh, I understand. Uh, my, my problem with it is it, you, have to, you have to be ready for it. Eddie Jones talks about finishers. Um, Pat Lamb talks about, talks about preparing to play so they will be really that'll be a, when the video analysis is done I'm sure they'll talk about the good things they might have done the first 60 minutes they'll also talk about the, the concentration going and people leaving it to somebody else uh, I don't want the ball I'll pass it on I'll pass it on nobody actually stepping up and doing something um, but all they can do is they, you know, they'll, be, they'll be coming back tomorrow and they've got to get ready to go again f- 
for Leinster next week? Yeah, you'd like to think that they'll get themselves up for Leinster, that it's a huge game. They've only lost three home games all season and it'll be a huge thing to actually get a win against Leinster who will probably be slightly down on their normal high-power game because they've got a, a Heineken Cup semi-final the following week, or sorry, Champions Cup semi-final. Um, but even so, Leinster's second and third string have been doing this for years. Oh yeah, so the Champions Cup, they do have a Champions Cup sponsored by Heineken the following week, and um, but they had a, they had a they had a what was regarded as a third, fourth choice string team out against us uh, at Christmas, and they uh, uh, sorry before Christmas, and they bet us. Um, I'm sorry, if Leinster lose next week, we were better. Simple as. And if Leinster hammer us, it's because Leinster are better. We won't be making any excuses for X, Y, and Z if Leinster kick us out, knock us out the gate. No, I don't want I don't want to hear excuses from the Leinster favouring media. If Leicester get beaten next week, the better team next week will win. If it's Leicester, great. If Leicester, fair play. If it's us, fantastic. It Good. doesn't change anything else in regards to the season. But I'm just stating it now. We get our excuses in first. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, I think I think they might have one eye on Claremont. Uh, they're not going to be able to risk any players. They're going to have to be very carefully who they select because they'll want to have a squad of 30 fit guys to pick from for that game. So that might be an opportunity for us full sports ground um, but they've been playing some good rugby and uh, we're just going to have to tighten up so much from what we did uh, this evening we are because like you got you know after after Leinster we've got Scarlet and then Munster so you know we've, we've got three huge games to go and we want to come into the, the playoffs now that we've guaranteed the playoff we want to go in with some sort of momentum so that we can feel as though there's a little bit of confidence my problem is I don't think there is any confidence and that was shown tonight I don't think we played well for the first 20 minutes I thought we were awful but for the middle 40 we played relatively well and then for the last 20 we were abysmal it's probably like nearly every game this season where we've played we probably have played well for approximately 40 minutes of every game yeah broken up into either 10 minute or 15 minute periods or half of a half um where we seemed to go tonight was we were 19 nil up we bashed away on their line for four or five minutes got driven back got a penalty and kicked it um, which was the right decision in the end but we, sh- we should have been looking to really score there and just close out a game that we should have already closed out yeah. but that I think comes is, is just part of the whole I don't know whether you call it a malaise or something that's around the team where the confidence isn't where it should be yeah. and that that was really the salient point and if they'd won it 29-0 they'd have been able to take a hell of a lot more out of it than winning it 22-19 they might be pleased they hung on at the end but they should never have got there I agree well, for the first 60 minutes, we were ruthlessly efficient, which is something I've now said, because I think we made five visits to the 22 and got points from every single one, um, which is very unusual for Connacht this season, very unusual for Connacht full stop. Uh, it, was the antith- it was the antithesis of the Glasgow game where we got into, we didn't even get into the 22, we scored, just like fantastic, great, lovely. Um, it's an awful, yeah, they will, fo- they will focus on the things that went wrong, and it, it was the shapelessness, and it was the, it was the, just the way it fell apart. There was no. I mean, who went to fullback when Tiernan went off? There was no obvious answer to that question. And some of the and the first up tackling, which William is right to point out, was also there in the first twenty minutes. Um, but 
we got the win. And there's, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. We do have to focus on the negative things. But let's not throw away the, the, the things that were good. I mean, some of the stuff we did was, 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 was fine. It was perfectly fine. Some guys had decent games. I mean, I'm not going to get overweight and carried away. No, it wasn't brilliantly, fantastically amazing. But it was, there were good stuff there. So let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. So we did, we did actually win that game. We need to highlight that. Yes, yes. Um, um, I thought Steve Crosby had a decent game. I thought there was some. I thought Marmol mixed the good with the bad. I thought Tierney mixed the good with the bad. Um, the funniest bit of the entire game was Nelly the White just killing some poor young lad out in the wing in the last couple of minutes. It doesn't negate the, the bad stuff. The first up tackling was poor. Um, the rook was poor. Um, but let's be frank, lads. The worst player on the pitch was not wearing green. And that we should be thankful for that because if they'd had an out half, we would have lost that game. Probably. Although we did have a man in green that came pretty close to him, but I'm not going to say who it was. Uh, no, I think we'll, we'll, uh, we might leave that one. Um, yeah, I, I was impressed with Steve Crosby. Uh, yep. he, he's, he's got a wonderful kicking style. He puts the ball on the tee. He takes a couple of steps back. He doesn't seem to do any of the visualisation Johnny Wilkinson style. style waving his hands around stuff. He just boots the ball. And maybe that's the way to do it. He doesn't seem to think about it. And he, and he, he kicked his kicks, um, made yeah. some good tackles. 100% record with those off the floor. Yep, well, that's, 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 that's a yeah, good that's, position that, to be let's in. Let's not highlight that because we destroyed one previous 100% record by <laughs> But the... Um, look, it's, it is what it is. And with, with this stage of the season, you just want... You, losing that game from where they were would have been catastrophic mentally it would would. I I don't know where you would have gone from that Uh, and as I say we're just lucky that Edinburgh were pretty bad you can see why they are where they are in the table and they're awaiting Richard Cockrell to, to take over there and uh, cull the squad I think and try to try to give them a bit of uh, emphasis on, on, on tightening up their whole performance I um, have to say it's the first time I've seen their, the ground and I know Murrayfield was an odd place to play Pro 12 games but uh, that looks a pretty soulless spot Meyer side the very little coming from a very small fan group I suppose when you're being well beaten and then you you come back in but uh, Leinster next week is, is, is it's a great occasion uh, Easter Saturday place sold out and it'll have a different buzz to it so hopefully they'll be able to feed off that yeah because the one thing is that we still play with some style and that's that's hugely important is that we keep playing with, with style okay we mightn't win, win all the games but I think the, the reason the sports ground has been full for most of the year is the fact that we play such good rugby it's exciting we don't always win but we've won more often than we haven't and I think it'll be really important for the season to you know just to give us a bit of a kick to win against the team we look like they're going to be the champions um, or certainly playing championship style and even with their seconds and third string guys they've got some some depth in there and it's going to be a, a heck of a game so we'll talk about that in a few minutes Okay, Dave, you, you had an inter- interesting interview with uh, Jack Anderson. Yeah, Professor Jack Anderson, he, is, uh, he was a member of the Law Department of the University uh, in Queens, but he's now moving to Melbourne. He was head of the Disputes Resolution Association of the GAA. He is a member of the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Geneva. Uh, he is an expert in law and sport, specifically dealing with concussion. And he gave a talk in uh, NUIG uh, a few weeks ago 
ago about the law and concussion, and we brought up some several interesting points. And I start off by asking a fundamental question. In legal terms, what is concussion? Yeah, it's it's a very good question because um, concussion, when lawyers look at it, they look at concussion in terms of being a brain injury. And that seems to, if you pardon the pun, uh, concentrate minds. So when you say concussion, you kind of go, well, is that feeling groggy or something? But from a medical point of view, it's the traumatic brain injury, both acute and chronic, chronic meaning long term, that is uh, the key point. And where you have a game for professional sports people and industry where people are sustaining such injuries you know how do we mitigate the risks from that and isn't that an unusual uh, employer-employee relationship whereby playing a game you sustain a brain injury and the incidence of concussion at around 14% are quite high you mentioned the cited a number of cases. Some would be well known. The, you cited the Florian Fritz case, which highlighted what can happen if pressures for a team become more important than pressures of, from a medical point of view. You also highlighted Jamie Cudmore, who's been the most vocal. But I was most interested in the one regarding Killian Willis. Can you explain exactly what happened there and what long-term implications that may have for, for litigation? So uh, Killian Willis was a scrum half with a number of provinces, uh, including Connacht, for a brief period. And he ended up uh, with his career in his late 20s playing with uh, an English club sale over in Manchester playing a cup game against Saracens gets a couple of head bangs and eventually is brought off after 47 minutes now he claims uh, and he hasn't played rugby since um, so he had to retire as a result of these concussions but he claims he was treated a number of times on the field and his view is that the doctors in question who treated him should not have allowed him to play on and that he has suffered loss as a result and he has sued the club and the doctors in question for negligence for not basically taking care of himself uh, him properly but there is a relationship between the doctors and the club normally the club would employ the doctors but what the club appears to be saying and we're still at the initial stages is that no no we don't have a proper contract relationship with these um, doctors and therefore the doctors are on their own and may be personally liable for whatever negligence follows so that's an interesting perspective but I think the key thing there is that there are protocols in place and what Killian Willis has said is that those protocols were not followed and therefore to his detriment and therefore negligently by the club and doctors in question. Now, in both the Willis case and the Cudmore case, it's whether or not the protocols were followed to the, to, to the letter of the law. We've Dr Barry O'Driscoll coming on saying that you can't, you can't judge concussion in 10 minutes, and we had a couple of articles written by uh, Alex Corbisero and Alistair Hargreaves at the weekend saying, look, we can fake, these, fake the results of these tests. Is the next area of, of, of possible litigation, whether or not the protocols themselves are fundamentally doing what they're supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, in, first of all, it's, it's a medical issue, that um, what are the position you're placing doctors in? If they are implementing a protocol that hasn't, uh, you know, been properly tested, or hasn't been fully accepted, or Worldwide, are you putting those doctors, um, you know, in in some sort of litigation danger? Now, I think we have to be careful in here, and that World Rugby has itself done a lot of research on this, and their view is at the current time the HIA are fit for purpose. But we have dissenting voices, and one of the interesting people is, as you mentioned, um, Brian O'Driscoll's uncle, Dr. Barry O'Driscoll, and he has said in the amateur game, if there's a suspected concussion, you sit it out. Why can't we just simply do that in the professional game? 
has the HIA process been used as an excuse to get players back on? And that shouldn't be its purpose. I think that's the fundamental question. Do you see, I mean, if, uh, uh, in discussions that we, in, in the work we do, we've had discussions about whether or not the tournament organisers may move towards, to limit their liability, may move towards a situation where, for, certainly for professional games, you may see independent doctors on the side. And do you think that is, is there any possibility of you see of that coming through? Yeah, I mean, at the top level where they can afford it, that seems to be the way. And we have seen in the NFL, for example, where they have so-called concussion spotters, where independent doctors with a bank of video in front of them spotting these things. But of course, that's for the elite level. You know, how does that filter down to the amateur level? But certainly, this independence, and we've had recently calls for that in the GA as well, seems to be the way to go. Because it can be difficult for doctors. You know, you have the, the, the patient, the employee, the player, the personal relationship with that on a mucky field in the middle of an important match. That's not an easy call. And most doctors, uh, the vast majority, the vast, vast majority do their duty. Of course they do. But some may be vulnerable. I suppose the the case in Ireland that's most traumatic is is Ben Robinson. His family have taken everyone there to court, and you can understand why they would do so. And with the report coming out last year that 64% of, of concussions come from the tackler, is there... Well, I don't want to use the word wiggle room, but is there wiggle room for, for someone a little unscripted to go, well, we gave, these, we gave the coaches and individual coaches the way to teach the technique, and it's their failing in, in, the tech, in processing the technique through the players. The, that, that's a fault here. And could it be a situation where individuals, individual coaches, especially at smaller clubs, amateurs, who may, not, who, who may, may have taught something wrongly, will they then take the brunt of, the, of liability in, in cases, especially when we look further, further away from, the, from professional games? Absolutely. And it's an interesting thing about the qualification for coaches. And what all, a low, all of the major sports in Ireland have done is enhance their coaching um, training. And one of these training would be in terms of tackle techniques and in terms of concussion protocols. But it is hugely important for coaches in um, contact sport games that they are aware of of their responsibility. It's an onerous responsibility. And yet at the same time, the vast majority of these are volunteers and you've got to arrange that. So train them properly and monitor them, assist them, and then they will pass on the proper techniques. And that is the number one way of mitigating the risks of injuries in sport. What about insurance? That's the next big thing. You, you don't have the, you can't afford the doctors. You, you may eventually maybe passed on, you won't be able to afford insurance. And will that end up, could that see a situation where clubs they may have volunteers but they can't afford the liability insurance yeah I mean this is the key thing where when you're insuring against this um, if you have a situation where a head injury has gone from something that was incidental to the sport to something that's now intrinsic in the sport well insurance companies look at that but of course how do you mitigate that on the field of play by proper rule changes which reduce the tackle line uh, and try and eliminate um, head injuries and then the insurance companies do their assessment and they have uh, they are assessing then in essence a change game and that's the best way to do it so finally finally jack you push you're very much pushing the idea of that if we get to litigation things have gone seriously wrong and that we need to avoid going to litigation what are the best ways to avoid cases ending up in front of you in the arbitration of sport or in, in front of the legal courts? Yeah, I mean, uh, in a contact sport, the duty of care of the sports governing body is to ensure the game is played safely. How do they discharge that duty? By having safety laws and good safety laws. And what World Rugby has done 
based on medical evidence, is to outlaw, at least um, prohibit, high tackles. The key to it is to make sure that you apply those rules. And it will uh, result in a slight change in the nature of the game. There is no doubt there will be controversial refereeing decisions for a while, but it will secure the long-term future of the game. And we need to let this trial period uh, spin out, and that will be the best way to avoid litigation, which is a failure for all involved. Jack Anderson, thank you very much. Okay, we're into the final section of the podcast now. We've got some any other business. Dave? Yeah, just uh, want to highlight some uh, selections on the national squads. Um, the under-19s are going over to play uh, their tournament and uh, Sean Masson of Corinthians and Corey Reid with Buccaneers. Well, he's officially with Marist College, but he's got to be with Buccaneers. I'd be very surprised if he isn't. And if I'm wrong, I apologise to his club. Um, and if he isn't, Buccaneers sign him up. Yeah. Um, they're both in the under-19 squad. They're the two lads who played against Japan. They've both been selected for the under-19 squad. Big heads up for uh, Niall Morris and Aloysius College in Athlone. He has to be Buccaneers. <laughs> Again, officially he isn't, but he's been selected for the under-18 squads. They're going over to a tournament in Wales. He's going to start at number five against Italy this weekend, so good luck to him. Finally, good luck to Danny Qualter. It's not worked out for him in college, but we wish him all the best. He's heading over to Nottingham. Um, good club, good history. Produced some very good internationals about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, lovely city, great part of the world. And I hope it kicks on his career, because a lot of the guys, it doesn't necessarily work out for them here, but they go across the water, they get some experience and they have good careers. And we wish Danny all the best. Never let the side down. Just hasn't worked out for him here and uh, good luck. And also, to be fair, introduce Gaelic football to, to, to Nottingham. Can't be too bad for, uh, too bad for the guy. Fair enough. William? Uh, well, it's uh, congratulations to Emmett Reardon and his partner, Emma. Emmett uh, often edits our podcasts for us on the uh, birth of Irla uh, last Friday. I understand everybody is doing really well, and uh, I'm sure he's already been measured for his first Connacht uh, outfit. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, alluded to the press conference earlier, and uh, here's what happened at that on Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's another one of those high ankle injuries, you know, where players fall back on the guys. We had Stacey the week before, and the two of them actually going to surgery at the same time. I was teasing one of them, I said, I'd rather go second once the surgeon's warmed up, but... Uh, but they're both going out, yeah. Uh, looking back at the, uh, the game, it was sort of 60 minutes went very well and then it got a little bit tricky, but the first 60 minutes was okay. You kind of were well in control of that. Yeah, we were in control, but, you know, we, we highlighted in the review again the, um, you know, when we, <clears throat> when we were out of structure, just opportunities and where we could be a little more ruthless. Yeah, we got penalties, but we could have had tries. So it's, you know, just constantly working on it. Um, and um, you know, there's there's changes within the team and guys learning learning their plays and stuff. So, but um, I think first and foremost, getting the win was important. And I said to the guys on Monday, you know, well done. It's been a tough four weeks because I know I've seen the work they do. They train hard and they work hard. And um, there's no doubt the three outcomes weren't exactly what we were after. Um, but like a lot of the games, we could have it could have been one way or the other, bar a few learnings that we needed to take along the way. But um, yeah, we parked that aside. It's given us clarity where we sit, and we um, we secured 
regardless of what, where we go now, we've got a playoff spot. That's now you know, how far we can climb in the next three games and what a great opportunity to play the three of the top four teams. You know, there's, a, there's an opportunity to try and, um, you know, beat um, a team that's flying, you know, and uh, go really well. Leinster will, could, could turn up here with players we barely know, but you'd still expect them to be very, very strong. I don't think there's anyone here that you barely know. You know that you, everyone could name their team. They've, uh, you know, they've they got pretty much two international teams, really. You know, they've got, a, uh, they've got a very good squad. They've brought the young guys through, and all those young guys, you know all of their names. So there's no one here that's going to come up that you won't know because they're playing well as a team. Um, They've got, uh, you know, they during the Six Nations when guys were away, um, the the next guys came through, and all the guys who are coming through, um, you know, the best of the best coming out of the school system, out of the academy system, but they're finally getting opportunities, which is great to see for Irish rugby. So, um, yeah, we know, uh, you know, we we played Leinster so well my time here. We've always played them either full strength or, um, you know, filled with guys who have experience and one international places another international. So we know. I, I think the pit doesn't really matter. They're in a good place as a, as a squad. Um, they've got Champions Cup. They're going well. And if you really play a, a team that's um, a squad that's humming. John, look, looking forward to as an interprovincial match. Do they do they still have a different edge to other games? Yeah, I think they do. I think um, obviously it's an opportunity for lads for the end of season tour. Um, they're heading off to some nice places, and uh, more importantly, they want to get on the squad. And it's an opportunity for them to go up against people who are directly in opposition um, for them. The fact that we've a lot of players in our squad that are from Leinster as well, and would have grown up playing with and against um, a lot of their players as well adds that little bit of spice to it and um, we all know that there's rivalry there there always will be in derby games and um, that just adds that extra little bit to it um, you can see that when it comes to the scramble for tickets the place that sold out ages ago so um, even the fans know it's a big one and just uh, the fact that you've now got the playoff place sorted does, will that free, free it up a little bit to I wouldn't say throw the ball around a bit more, but you've actually achieved what, what the best you could achieve. Uh, we throw the ball around regardless. <laughs> so, um, no, we we obviously want to finish as high up as we can. We know that we've um, a couple of results. We could have um, been higher up, and um, we're disappointed with a couple of the results that uh, <coughs> the outcome of the couple of games. But it still gives us an opportunity to play. Um, we've still a lot to play for. Um, we want to nailed down seventh in Cardiff or hot in our heels we've obviously given them an opportunity by losing a couple of games recently so um, we just want to play and keep winning and keep uh, pushing on up the table and obviously this, it's um, very very unlikely that we're going to get top four and it's hard to get top six it doesn't really matter top six anyways because obviously Glasgow tr go through regardless so yeah we just keep winning and just um, keep keep on uh, putting uh, results and performances out there and that's all we can really look after okay and that's it for this week's podcast we'll be back next week with the home game with Leinster and Captain Craggy will be back uh, so it'll, um, I'm sure there'll be a bit more bounce to it you know Captain Craggy likes to bounce around and um, we'll talk to you next week cheers Dave cheers William thanks Alan good night ciao